Jesus. You know, not only does God, not only does God um, heal our physical bodies, but He gives us a promise. He heals the brokenhearted. It's in the Bible. It's in Psalms. I believe the 147th Psalm or 145th. It's there. I've read it. He said He heals our broken heart. He heals our broken heart. Amen. He's the God who heals our broken heart. He's a faithful God we serve. Amen. Do you believe it today? Do you trust Him today? There's nothing that God will not do. The Bible says in in Psalms 84, it says, The Lord God is the sun and shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold to them that walk uprightly. This morning, amen, whatever you have need of, God will meet that need for you. He's a faithful God. He promised us healing is the children's bread. Amen. And I know that He can heal and will heal. When the leper came, He said, if thou wilt. He never said if you can. He knew He could. He knew Jesus could. But he said, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. He reached out and he touched him. What a miracle. Because he needed not only a healing in his body, but he needed somebody to touch him. He needed that touch from God. And God gives us that touch. When nobody wanted to touch a leper, God, through his, Jesus, reached out. God reached out and touched the leper. Because he wants you to know that he loves you and he's not afraid to touch you you're here this morning and you're not a Christian and you say I'm not good enough none of us are good enough ain't nobody in here good enough that's why we needed a savior that's why we need Jesus nobody's good enough there's nothing too dirty that God won't reach down and touch and cleanse so I don't care what you've done where you've been he loves you and he'll touch you you say well I committed sin last night well God will touch you and cleanse that. But you got to come to him and say, Lord, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. He will. He's faithful. He's a God that will touch you. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. My God, my God. My God, my God this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He's faithful. He's faithful. Almighty God. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you thankful this morning for God? Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. We're going we're gonna, to uh, greet someone this morning as you're seated in here. Tell them it's good to see you in the house of God. Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. My God, my God. Jesus. 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 God bless you. Praise God. 
Praise God. Amen. I said it when I opened up, but I'm going to say it again. I love my church. And I know you love me. Amen. <laughs> I love you all. I'm so happy to be here this morning back home at, at New Life in La Habra. Just grateful to be here in the house of God. And uh, this morning, uh, I'm going to just uh, move on with the service so we can get moving here because God's got a word for us this morning. And uh, um, <clears throat> But I want to welcome all of our visitors. If you're visiting this morning, we say... Welcome to you. If you're Spanish speaking, we say bienvenidos. Amen. Praise God. We welcome you this morning and, and thank God that you came by to be in service with us this morning. What a beautiful crowd. And uh, um, we still got some folks that are out away in Florida at the, retreat, at the conference, but they'll be home tomorrow. And uh, what a wonderful week. Oh, my goodness. It was awesome. It was beautiful. Power of God. Just, just ministering. You know, I, I, I guess it's it's so awesome to me because I'm normally, you know, always ministering. I'm all, either on the piano or I'm singing, and I still sang and led and things of that nature and prayed for people, but I got an opportunity to be ministered to. Praise God. And there were specific things that took place that are pivotal in my life, in this church's life. And, uh, uh, and I had to be there for that reason. God is, is, is positioning us and positioning me and doing different things uh, as we grow and as we move forward. And there was a, uh, one of the pastors, there was, was several ministers that were there, and they were all phenomenal just on so many different levels and, and for different uh, reasons. But um, they all had a fresh word. But uh, the one pastor that I truly thoroughly enjoyed so much was Bishop Ron Webb. And I'm telling you, man, he was speaking my language. Let me tell you. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> the moment he got the microphone, I thought, who turned the lights on? Amen. It was awesome. I'm not saying that the lights weren't on. Well, they weren't on. Amen. But they were in my life. Amen. It just something happened. I said, whoo, my God. I, and so it was awesome. It was awesome. And in the middle of that service, I had my hands in the air, and I'm just worshiping God. I'm preaching with him, man. You know, he just he's just a phenomenal preacher. He's from Missouri, so that speaks so high, very highly of him. Amen. Amen. So, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So anyway, but as he's preaching, it was so beautiful. It was so awesome. And, uh, and I just knew it. God was doing something in me. And he said, he said, Pastor, he said, you right there in the shirt, standing up with your hands in the air. He said, God is making a new wineskin out of you. Whew. He said, he's making a new wineskin out of you. And he said, you're stretching right now. You're in the stretch mode. I said, oh, man, he's reading my mail. Amen. He's talking my language. But it so blessed me. And he came up after me. Uh, I mean, uh, he came over to me at the end of the service, and uh, he just he just prayed over me and spoke into me. It was so awesome. What a man of God, and, and uh, I just loved him. Just I mean, we clicked instantly, and uh, I, I texted him. He gave me his number, and I told him, if you're ever in California, if you walk through the door, I'm just going to go over and sit down. You can just take the microphone. He's just, what a blessing he was. And But I'm grateful that I'm home. I'm grateful to be here with you all. And uh, I just love the body of Christ. Amen. You're my family. 
You're my family. Whether you want to be or not, you're my family. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but this morning, we're going to receive uh, the offering, tithe offering missions. And uh, church, I just want to encourage you that um, we need to sow into the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, the Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. Loves a cheerful giver. I want to share something with you that I heard. You know, a farmer, when they're sowing seed, you know, farmers, you know how they sow seed? They never mourn their seed that they sow. They never throw it out there and go, oh, man, I wish I could get that back. Because they know that seed is going to go on good ground and it's going to bring forth fruit. So give cheerfully and give abundantly and, and God will give back to you. Think about it. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. And I'm not trying to get into your pocket. I promise you. I'm as sincere as I can be when I say that. I'm telling you that God will bless your life. But greater than that is the joy and the cheerfulness that we get to sow into the kingdom of God. That we get to further the things of God because we are giving to it so that somebody else can hear the gospel. Maybe we're giving and it goes to a missionary and they get to preach another day. Or they get to pay the rent on their building or continue building their facility for their children's ministry or an orphanage. You know, there's 300 some uh, uh, Nigerian orphans that count on this church's giving every month and we don't give them ten dollars church we don't give them five hundred dollars we give them a lot more than that because the need is great but but we're sowing into that cheerfully and i've learned this i have learned this you cannot outgive god he will outgive you it'll come back and you're like my goodness that was fast god moves rapidly he's a god who wants to bless you, but he can't bless if you don't sow into the kingdom. So, and, and finances and, and, and in every other area. So, I encourage you this morning give as given unto God. You're not given to me or given to the church, you're giving to God. And once it's released from your hands, God takes it and He blesses that and He's going to this morning. So, I encourage you give, be faithful in your tithes and offerings. Christians are faithful in their tithes and offerings. They don't sit over there and sharpen the pencil down to the penny. My goodness, please don't do that. I've had people, they, $45.72. I said, just make it 46 for pee pity's sake. Plus more. Amen. Just round it off. Praise God. Give. God will give back to you. And especially in this season, you're going to watch. There's going to be people that never gave a nickel. And, and they're going to say, Lord, I need you. And he's going to say, you don't have anything in your checking account. <laughs> Come on now. You've not sown into anything. People say, oh, all you preachers ever talk about is money. I never talk about money. So that's, that's, that, that is not true about me. I never talk about money. I talk about God. But I know that our worship, included in our worship, is our giving. And so this morning, give. I wouldn't want to leave this world, leave this earth, and have left a bank account full of money, thousands or hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars that never went into the kingdom because I was a stingy gut. And then stand before God while a whole world never hears the gospel. 
Come on, church. God will bless. And as you give, he said in Malachi, he said, there will be meat in my house. What does that mean? When you come to the house of God, you're going to get fed, and you're going to get fed good. Praise God. And you do. Amen. Whether pastors here or not, we got able-bodied ministers that pour into you, and I hear nothing but good reports of the words that went forth. Praise God. Well, did you hear them? Not yet, but I'm going to. You know why I didn't have any service? We didn't. It was horrible. I'm sorry if Jared's listening, but that was no service. Amen. So I just figured, well, I'll just have to wait till I get home. But I'm thankful for Gilbert and Kyle stepping in to minister and preach. I got phone calls. I got texts. All these things of how, you know, it's the way it should be. Shouldn't skip a beat. Amen. Amen. Shouldn't skip a beat. Just hear that word. And so I appreciate them and, uh, and, and their, their ministry and everybody else that filled in. God is moving in our midst. Amen. And uh, so, but give is given unto the Lord. God will bless you this morning and, and he'll, he'll increase in your life. And just remember this, give cheerfully, not out of necessity, not begrudgingly, not because I have to, because I want to. It's obedience unto the Lord, amen? And so I'm going to ask this morning if, uh, if, if uh, Lorenzo, I'm going to let Lorenzo this morning, brother, I'm sorry, he's probably thinking, man, I hope he don't put me on the spot. Well, you know, when you sign the ushers, uh, you know, application, you signed up that every once in a while I might have to pray, amen? So I want you to pray this morning, brother, pray over this offering, and God bless you as you give church this morning for your giving and the kids need to be dismissed so we'll let the kids go out at this time they're going to go to their class amen thank you worship team
you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33. Jeremiah 33. Praise the name of the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 33. We're only going to read three verses of Scripture. We're going to pray, and I'm going to get right into the Word of God this morning. I was reading at the, at the conference, just the Lord took me to Jeremiah, the first chapter, and I just read through it, and God said, go back and just read it again, and uh, slow, and God just began to minister to me and talk to me. And last night I was in prayer, and I said, God, you've got to speak to me. I want you to talk to me, and for the church, you know, where they're at, you know where each and every person is at spiritually, and uh, talk to me. And he just began to speak to me this particular chapter, and I just spent some time studying. And uh, I believe God's going to talk to us today. In fact, I declare that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, It says in Jeremiah 33, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time. (laughs) While he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day this time to come and to break open the bread of life. Lord, I'm thankful for the joy of the Lord that it's our strength. I'm thankful for the word of the Lord that comes. God, that brings so many things uh, into our life and brings things to light and revelation comes in focus through the word. And Lord, I just pray that you will help me today, equip me, speak through me, minister to the hearts and lives of each and every person. And God, I pray that you'll transform their lives, change their lives, and minister to each and every one of us today. Let the anointing flow like a river. And God, encourage through the times that we're going through, Lord, and we'll give you all the glory and honor, for you are a mighty and an awesome God. And we thank you today for your many rich blessings and grace. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Now, I want to preach for just a little bit here a thought When the word of the Lord comes. When the word of the Lord comes. How many knows we go through times in our life when we need the word of the Lord to come? We need an answer. We need God to show us something. We need God to give us direction. We need God to encourage us where we're at because uh, that will carry us into where he's taking us to. We need to hear the word of the Lord. And so I'm preaching this, and I cannot stress enough how much we need the Word. We need to read the Word. We need to hear the Word preached unto us. And we need to get it etched in our hearts. And you say, why is the Word so important? Well, first of all, because the Word does what a feeling cannot do. Let me say that again. The Word does what a feeling cannot do. Amen. Come on. 
There are people that sit in church and they are people that are only moved by what they feel and an experience that they have. And I'm not saying that experiences aren't real. They are. We feel the power of God. It's real. It's tangible in a sense. But we need the Word of God to be connected with it to understand why we feel what we feel, why we're doing what we're doing, why we believe what we believe. So we need the Word of God because it does what a feeling or an experience cannot do. The Word of God lingers with you. It stays in you. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. That word is etched on your heart so when you go through the time of temptation, you know what to say to the devil. Come on. In Psalms 119, David expresses how valuable, how powerful, how effective the word of God is. He says that it gives entrance, or its entrance rather gives light. His word gives light to every situation. Hearing the word of God gives faith. I quote it all the time. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. His word quickens us is what David said in Psalms 19. It orders our steps. It keeps us from sin's uh, dominion over us. In fact, the Bible even says that he sent his word and it healed our diseases. The word of God is very important to our lives. We have to hear it especially in our times of dark times and valleys. So we need the word because it brings everything into clear focus. Jeremiah the prophet understood this. He was a man who lived by God's word. From his very beginnings, if you go back to Jeremiah, the very first chapter, you're going to read his very beginnings and what God spoke to him in the beginning of his life and prophetic life. And he says in Jeremiah 1 verse 4, he said, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. And before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Why did I quote that? Because I want you to see that God uh, began to reveal his eternal plan of Jeremiah's life. He shows him that he's a God of forethought, not afterthought. Amen. God's a God of forethought, not afterthought. He, he begins to tell him about his calling of Jeremiah, how he called him, how he ordained him in the office that he was to be in of prophet, and that he was set apart or sanctified for that office. God will call you to things, and he will prepare you and equip you. And one of the greatest, most important things that you must know is that if you're going to do things and transact business in the eternal realm, in the spiritual realm, you're going to have to be like God. So that means you've got to be holy, sanctified, righteous. 
I'm not here to criticize you for all of the things that you've done wrong or I've done wrong. I'm here to tell you that God wants us to be a holy people so that we can be used as his anointed ministers. Praise God. So we see and we hear these great things that God says to Jeremiah. But we need his word to encourage us along the journey of fulfillment of what he's called us to. We have to hear those words to carry us along the way. We must hear them. We must hear them. And Jeremiah's first response when God spoke to him the first time, and he says to him, I formed you I, in your mother's belly in the womb. I formed you. I've ordained you. I've sanctified you. I've called you to be my prophet, to be my mouthpiece. The first thing he responded with was, I'm a child. How can I do this? I'm a child. I cannot speak. That was his response. But God responded with, don't say that. When God tells you he's going to do something, don't tell him that he can't. When God says he's going to do something through you or he speaks to you to do something, don't talk back to God and tell him that you can't. When he tells you, go talk to that person, he's speaking to you and telling you, I'm stirring your heart because you are exactly what they need to hear, what you speak to them. When he tells you to give something, Give it. <laughs> but he responds and he says, I'm just a child, I cannot speak. And God responded with the word, don't say that. You will go, Jeremiah. You will speak, Jeremiah. Be not afraid, Jeremiah, for I am with you, Jeremiah. He said, don't look at their faces. Don't be moved by their responses. He goes, just go. I am empowering you and I will be with you. It's very important that you know that. The very first word that he got was his calling and he got the assurance that God was going to be there with him the whole time through the whole journey. Why is that important? Because I want to share with you today that the word that God has spoken to you, just remember this. If he doesn't speak again for a long while, he wants you to hang on to what he's given you. Well, God hasn't blessed me lately. Did he save you? Yes. Did he give you a confidence and peace and he saved you an assurance? Yes. Then hold on to what he's done. He'll talk again. Don't say to God, I can't do that. Moses said, I can't go down and tell Pharaoh to let your people go. I stutter when I speak. I don't have good speech. God, God actually got angry. The Bible says he got very angry. And I'm going to share something with you. There are things God calls us to do and he speaks to us to do and he tells us you're going to do it. And we're always looking for somebody else to help us to get there when God said I'm enough. What you're doing is, and, and I know that we have to have cooperation with people in the body. It's a team. Amen. It's a team. Hallelujah. Uh, 
so there's people that are going to be in ministry with you. But there are things that God spoke to Moses. He must do. And he said, I need help. I can't do it. And he said, Aaron's going to come. But I read in a commentary that Moses, what he was saying is, I can't do that. And God said, you're, what you're doing is you're relinquishing your office of a priest. You're, you're, you're in essence saying that you need a mediator to go through. Well, I know that Jesus is our mediator. But what I'm saying is God doesn't need any additions to what he tells you to do. Just do them. Amen. I said, Lord, I can't speak to these Hispanic people here in this city. I need somebody to speak for me. He said, no. You know how to sing Spanish songs. You sing them. And he said, when you sing them, he said, I'll speak through you and minister by my spirit. And I have had people say to me years down the line, I don't speak English, but when I heard you sing in Spanish, the spirit of God just began to open my understanding and the, th the things you began to preach, I began to understand. If God calls you, he will equip you. If he gives you the vision, he will give you the provision. He will go before you and he gives you the word and the confidence in his word. I've empowered you. Don't look at their faces. Don't look at their responses. Don't worry about the results. Just do what I told you to do. I'm with you. That was the word God spoke to Jeremiah. Whatever his... He's called us to do. He will give us what we need to do it and accomplish it. Why is holding on to his word, his word promised to us so important? I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because there is a cost for the coat. There's a cost for the mantle. We learned that through the burning of the ox plow. There's a cost. It doesn't come cheap. And just remember this. God didn't ask you to interview for the position. He told you you're going to do it. So when he tells you you're going to do it, all he's asking you to do is obey what he said. But there's a cost. There's a cost. And Joseph paid a cost for his coat, for the favor that God gave him, for the dream that God gave him. Daniel paid a cost for his giftings and his callings. He was thrown into the lion's den. He was almost put to death. He was intimidated. He went through all kinds of things. He was persecuted. He had the whole nation of Babylon's leaders against him. But God still brought him through. There's a cost for what God has called you to do. And you have to remember the word that God spoke to you or you will lose sight of the vision and the goal before you unless you have God constantly reminding you of the word that he spoke to you. Amen. Paul paid a cost for his ministry. He shares that throughout his life. And I'm not going to go into all of that, but he was shipwrecked. He was snake bit. He was stoned and left for dead. But he said it was even a point in time where everybody forsook me, even Demas forsook me. He said, but nonetheless, 
He said, nevertheless, the Lord was with me. When everybody else left me, I was alone, but I wasn't alone. The Lord was with me. His word began to encourage me. So Paul experienced that cost. Jesus told Peter, Satan desires to sift you like wheat in Luke 22. But I'm praying for you that your faith fail not. And when you're converted or you turn back, strengthen your brethren. There's a cost for your calling. But thank God for the word in our prison times because Jeremiah was in a prison time in chapter 33. He was in a prison time. The Bible says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was shut up in the court of the prison. Now, let me just just slow down here for just a second and say, thank God for the word in our prison times. They will come. Prison times will come. You say, well, pastor, I don't want to go to prison. There's people that are in valleys that feel like prisons. There are people that are in situations that they feel like, I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know what move to make. I'm just kind of stuck here, and, and, and I don't know, but God, you're going to have to show me. I'm not talking about people bound in a prison of sin and bondage. I'm talking to the body of Christ today. I'm talking to you, saints of God. I'm talking to you, believers. If you're a sinner today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you can come and be freed out of your prison of sin. But that's not the prison that I'm talking about today. The prison that I'm talking about today is that place where you're looking for an answer. That place where you're in the will of God And you're saying, Lord, what now? Everything seems to just come to a stop and a halt and a pause. Now what do I do? I'm in a prison in the will of God. I'm not here because I committed a crime. I'm not here for the, a consequence. I'm here because of a conflict. A conflict with hell. Amen. Jeremiah was put into prison for his call. He was put in prison for his prophetic utterances. Don't do it now, but on your own time, read the 32nd chapter where he began to speak what God told him to speak and the king said, you're going to jail. Do you know what I love? I believe it's the 37th chapter where every day God made that king provide bread for him. Every day. God will meet you with fresh bread in your situation. Did he not say, I'll place a table before you in the presence of your enemies? Did he not say in the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you? Amen. I'll not leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. In that valley of Baca, that place of weeping, that place where you just see, feel like you're so all alone. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll make that valley a well. Come on. So Jeremiah was put into prison for his call. He was put into prison for his prophetic utterances. You and I go through things, and if it's not for sin or not because of disobedience, but for obedience unto God, you're in the will of God being there. Joseph had to go into the pit to get to the palace. 
Shout with me, folks. Joseph had to go through the pit. He had to go through the betrayal at Potiphar's house. He had to go through all of those things. He had to go through the, the, the being rejected and abandoned even in the dungeon to get to where God called him to be. You say, all these terrible things have happened in my life. Yeah, but look where you're at today. Look where you are today. And you ain't even got home yet, honey. You're not even where God has intended you to finally arrive. There's still a lot of miles left on this man right here. There's a lot of miles left on you. Amen. God said, don't act like your old preacher. He said, you may have 50,000 on you, but you still got a lot more life in you. <laughs> Amen. 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 You know, God began to preserve the strength of Caleb and, and Joshua in their old age. And Caleb, I don't know, 84 years old he was, I believe, where he said, give me this mountain. I've been waiting for this moment, amen. You know, I saw a man the other day, they took a picture of a guy, and he was, I don't know, he's 80, almost 90 years old. He looked better than most 20-year-olds. Been working out, yeah, I thought, my goodness, you know, <sighs> He said, every day I work out, every day I do this, do that, eat right. You know, I said, my goodness, he looks amazing. That's the way Caleb was. He was strong. He had strength. He had went through a lot of things and disappointments where it seemed like the promise was never going to come. But God said, just hold on, son, your day's coming. And he said, when they went into that promised land, give me this mountain. Give me what I continue to be faithful to receive. There is a huge difference between consequence and conflict. Yet either way or reason, God will speak. In chapter 33 of Jeremiah, the word came the second time. Think about that. He obviously came and spoke to Jeremiah many times. We need those times. But he spoke to him in chapter 32, and it wasn't very shortly after that he spoke to him again. So what I'm saying is if God spoke something to you, a promise, or gave you a word, hold on, he'll reiterate that to you. And he said he spoke to him a second time. A second time. The first chapter, or the 32nd chapter, it was Israel's judgment prophecy. But in the 33rd chapter, it was Israel's restoration prophecy. Oh, it's so beautiful. He said, I'm such a covenant-keeping God and I'm going to keep my covenant to the degree of the sun and the moon in their solar, you know, their solar activity that never changes. Has anybody ever seen in your lifetime the sun or the moon not come up every day just like they're supposed to? Uh-huh, that's what I thought. Amen. There are things that God has set in motion that will not change because it's his covenant. He said it in the word of God. Oh my God, listen to it. He said it in, in chapter uh, 30, 33, verse 20. He said, thus saith the Lord, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, that there should not be day or night in their season, then may also my covenant be broken with David, my servant, that he should not have a son to reign upon his throne. We know Jesus fulfilled that. 
And as sure as the, the day is long, as sure as the sun goes up and comes down and the moon begins to reflect the sun's uh, light, God does that every day and has done it from the beginning of time. It ain't never changed. Amen. You know, oh, it just hit me. You see all these videos and people are like, they got the, the sun up real close from the Hubble space uh, satellite. And they're videoing, they're going, what's going on with the sun? It's like, phew, phew, these things are happening. Phew, looks like it's going to explode. I said, that sun will stay in place until God's done. I don't know. Maybe the devil's trying to fight to make it stop, but it ain't going to happen. Come on now. There are things in our life, I can tell you, there have been things that God orchestrated and ordained, and when he's called you and ordained you and anointed you and appointed you, there is nothing that will change that. Hallelujah. Praise God. My God. My God. Listen, let me go on here. But he said in chapter 33 was God's word of hope and restoration. My point is when you're in that place, shut up with God's word spoken to you and you're enclosed in that place of pause. When you have no control over your situation and you're in a pause, you're in a holding pattern or a holding moment when God has you in his waiting room. Some of you in his waiting room this morning. I'm waiting for God to tell me what to do. I'm waiting for God to call my number. I've sat in the waiting room of the doctor's office. I've sat in the waiting place at the DMV for three hours. Come on now. Nobody laughed. Am I the only one that ever goes to the DMV? I guess so. But when you used to go, 20 years ago, you had to sit and wait till they called your number. You're in that waiting place, waiting. But when they call your number, you know. Amen. You say, I'm, I'm, I'm F99. <laughs> F99. Amen. F99. And they go, we're now calling F4. And you're like... Eventually, F99 is going to be called. Stay there or you'll miss your appointment. Amen. Come on now. Come on. Praise God. Oh, I'm so grateful today. When you're in God's waiting room, He's got a word for you. And we must hear that word. He said, Thus saith the Lord in verse 2, The maker of you, your destiny, the one who's forming it, and you also, he's forming you, the one who is establishing you and his perfect plan in the midst of your life. Because whether you understand it or not, God has a destiny for you. He has a purpose for you. You know, you think you're in control of it, but you're not. God is in control of it. In total and complete control. He knows what he's doing. But I know a lot of times we think, well, Lord, I just, I got to make these decisions and, and you're not speaking to me, so I'm just going to, you know, just like with Abraham when God told him, I I'm going to bring a child through Sarah. Oh, they laughed. They laughed. <laughs> she laughed in the tent. And the angel of the Lord said she laughed. She said, no, I didn't. He said, yeah, you did. 
you sure did. But she laughed. But they didn't, it didn't happen in their time frame. They weren't patient waiting for God to do it. So what they did is they tried to help God out and they just caused a huge problem for the rest of us. Amen. But an Ishmael came from a Hagar. But then eventually God did meet them at almost 100 years of age. And Sarah produced an Isaac. There is a promise coming. Don't try to help God out in the midst of it. Don't say, well, I'm not getting promoted on my job, so I'll just get another job. You don't know your promotion could be in a day or two. I'm waiting for that perfect mate. Don't get ahead of God. Wait for God. Because the perfect person for you, that's the most compatible, and ain't none of us compatible. Come on. If you say, oh, I got the perfect marriage, we don't ever fight. You're a liar. You're a liar. Oh, we've been happy all these years, never had a crossword. Come on now. Come on now, all liars will have their part in the lake of fire. I'm going to tell you something. If you'll wait for God, God will bring the perfect mate for you. You say, well, I went through a rough patch and I didn't think we were going to make it. You know why you're here today and you're still with that person? Because you waited for God to restore it. And your mate that you thought wasn't attractive and you thought wasn't good enough or you thought didn't have the potential to become Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. You waited on God and you fought for that marriage. And because you did that, you found you had a diamond in the rough. And I didn't even hear his message on Thursday. God gave you a diamond. You just didn't even know that that was possible. There's people sitting in this room. They're happily married today. But they went through a time where I can tell you. It was rough and it didn't look like it was very promising or there was any hope. But they're here today. I'm looking across this building and I'm counting about four or five different marriages that I have personally been involved with your restoration and praying for you and watching you go through that. And God will do it for you today. Hold on. It's like the, the man that divorced his wife. He said, I'm going to get me a better one. And so you know what happened? A little time passed by, and she went on Jenny Craig. She lost 100 pounds. She got a hairdo, got her teeth fixed, came into the church, and he's up there in the choir. He looks out and he goes, oh, who's that hot woman out there? Whew. Went down there and found out it was his ex-wife. Amen. We all could use a little restoration. Come on. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get up here. So hold on to your promise. Amen. 
Hold on to your promise. I'll never forget one day, Angela, she, we were walking out the front door, and, and, and we were just, you know, we banter a little bit back and forth. We love each other. I love my wife. She loves me. Amen. We're comfortable with each other. We get along. It's good. Amen. I thank God for that, but it hasn't always been that way. It took work. Amen. Not 50-50, 100-100. Everybody's got to give their greatest and best in that. If you want your marriage to work, you've got to invest in it. But I remember her saying to me at the front door, she said, well, you're stuck with me. And I turned around and I said, don't ever say that to me again. I said, I married you because I loved you. I wanted to marry you and I will be married to you until I take my last breath. We are, we, we are not stuck in the sense that you say we're stuck. Amen. We're together. But I said, I'm not stuck with you out of default. I love you. And I said, I will take care of you the rest of my life. She just kind of looked at me. Come on now. Oh, I'm getting back to this. But he said, I am the maker of your destiny, the one who's forming it, and you also, the one who is establishing you. He said, the Lord is his name. This is the same name that God spoke to Moses, the I am that I am. Not an abstract existence, but active manifestation of existence. In other words, God at work in our life. He's more than words can express, but expressed by his words to us. Hallelujah. The I am is the fullness of the divine God unfolded to the world. That's what he was speaking to Moses. Remember this, God did not reveal himself as creator to Moses, but the personal God of salvation to Moses. I am the delivering, saving God. I am not just the creator. I'm the one that will be with you and will be with you with everything that you need. Psalms 9.10 says, They that know thy name put their trust in thee for for, for through, for, for thou, Lord, has not forsaken them that seek thee. The call will take us to dark places, wildernesses, but God gives us a word, his word, through them. Verse 3, he said, so call unto me. I will answer and show thee great and mighty things which you know not. He will be the answer that you need. I close with this. Yeah. I close with this. Say, please don't pass the off-ramp, Pastor. Amen. I close with this. The word that God spoke to Jeremiah here in verse 14, which was the day that would come that he would perform the good thing which he promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days, verse 15, and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and the righteousness in the land. Do you know who that branch is? As Jesus. Amen. Jesus. Jesus, my God, years and years and years and years after Jeremiah was dead and gone, 
God spoke to him, I'm going to restore Israel back again. And he did in Nehemiah, Ezra. He restored Israel. Guess what? They got besieged again years later. And he restored it again. And they got besieged later. And then he restored it again in 1948. You are not going to destroy what God has said will be in existence. So all these people... All these people that have in their mind that, you know, there needs to be this peace and settlement over there in Israel. I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't never going to happen. Just, you know, and I don't want it to happen. It's not supposed to happen. That is God's prophetic timepiece. And if the devil can divide it and split it, then that's going to completely obliterate and make null and void God's promise in his word to preserve Israel and Abraham's, the covenant he made with Abraham all these years. It's not going to happen. Every time the enemy has tried to destroy it, God has rebuilt it. And every time they get more land... So, even though Jeremiah did not see all of the fulfillment of the kingdom of God like he prophesied, neither did Daniel. I mean, they're looking down from heaven, but God still is performing his word, has performed it, and will continue to perform it. He said, years and years after Jeremiah was dead and gone, yet it came to pass. What came to pass, Pastor? That on a road coming out of Jericho, there was a man by the roadside begging named Blind Bartimaeus. And he heard, he heard, Jesus is coming down the road. You know, somebody told him, there's this Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Christ. You know, remember when Jeremiah wrote thousands of years ago, amen, or 800, 900, I don't know how many years ago, but it was a long, long time. Remember when he wrote and he said that there was going to be a branch come out of Jesse? Remember when Isaiah wrote that? Yeah. He said, He's, this man is coming down the road. And so... He screamed out when he heard him get within earshot. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. I'm telling you, the group that was there told him, be quiet. If anybody tells you to be quiet when you're trying to get a hold of God, ignore them. I mean, there's sometimes people need to be quiet, but not when you're trying to get a hold of God. Amen. The Bible says he shouted the louder. Jesus, thou son of David. Jesus, thou son of David. Jesus, thou son of David. And I love the story. You can read it on your own time, but for the sake of time, the Bible said Jesus was walking and he stopped. There's a covenant promise that goes a long way back. And he said, whoever that is yelling, bring him to me. Oh, blind Bartimaeus dropped his beggar's coat. You know, there's things that you got to do if you want a miracle. Yes. Yes. Amen. You know, 
There's people that want God to heal them, uh, but they got a settlement that they're waiting for. So before God heals me, I want to make sure I get my payout. I said, you want to be healed or you want a settlement? I don't know if there's somebody in here, but I'm going to tell you right now. I said, Lord, I don't care what it takes. I don't want to be a beggar. I want to be healed. I want to be whole. Whatever you lay upon my heart, whatever you speak to my heart. I'm going to do. And he dropped that garment and they brought him to Jesus and he healed him and his eyesight was healed. Listen, that's a promise that Jeremiah made. And, he, and, and, and in his lowest moment, Jeremiah, going back to that, his lowest moment that he was in, one of the lowest moments in prison, he's, he's sitting there and God reminds him, I'm coming to you again the second time with the word. I gave you one word, I'll give you another one, and I'll give you another one when you need it. And he said, thus saith the Lord, I made you, I formed you, I established you, I established your destiny, everything. I am the Lord. Don't ever forget that. We have to be reminded who we serve. We have to be reminded who we serve. Oh, mighty God. Mighty God. He said, call unto me, and I will answer thee, show you great and mighty things which you don't know anything about or you don't know the hidden things that you need to know. I'm talking to the body of Christ here. The questions that you need answers to. Because we've all got questions at times. We're wondering things about the will of God for our life. Wondering about things that we've seen and around about us. Wondering, what, God, what am I supposed to do? You know, uh, there's just a lot of things. And God says, I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to talk to you. You know what the Lord spoke to me in Bonifay? You know, there was a lot of those preachers that were prophesying over people. And you know, only one of them prophesied to me but it was after God spoke to me. But we want that so bad. We're just standing in line. And they passed me by, so they started going to the other side. So I walked over to the other side. I thought, maybe he didn't see me. Went right past me, I thought. So I thought, get out here in front. Do you see me? I need a word. I need God to talk to me. Amen. And God said, I'll talk to you face to face. I'll talk to you, not face to face, but personally, I'll speak to you. I, I, was, I, was, I was right there in the midst of a situation, and, and it's like something just came up and went, boom. God said, I just spoke to you. And I went over there, and I crawled over in, in, in the corner, and I broke. I died over something that I can't tell you right now, but I will later. I can't tell you. It's not, nothing sinful. I promise you that. It's just God telling me of something that he's going to do that I have to be willing to release and I have to be willing to let go of. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. I can't do that, God. And he said, then you're never going to go any further than where you're at until you let me stretch you. I'm your pastor. I'm not going nowhere. I'm here. I promise you. In fact, I've never known that more than I do right now. Amen. 
But I crawled over against that wall and I died. I cried so hard. I cried so hard. I felt chest pains. I thought, Lord, I'm having a heart attack here. Jesus touched me. I cried so hard. That groaning cry. And you know what? I was like, Lord, please don't let nobody come up here and touch me. Nobody. I don't want nobody coming over here. Nothing. I just, this is me and you. I'm over here. And I'm in the fetal position and I'm dying here, God. And I got up from there. And I went over and, and Pastor Ben Okello. Oh, I love that man of God. I love that man. I love that man. And he began to speak into me and he began to minister to me. There for 20 minutes sitting on that church chair there he talked to me he poured into me and uh and the next day i got up in the morning and i'm singing songs of praise songs i woke up it's been a long time in fact i don't even remember the last time that i woke up singing praises but it was just songs were going through my spirit one song in particular was in moments like these i will sing out a song Singing, I love you, Lord. And I'm just worshiping God in my, in my bed there. And I got up and the Lord said, go out to the car because there wasn't really any place private to pray. I went out there and I began to pray in that vehicle that we rented. And as I sat there, I felt all of that pain again. All that pain. All that pain. And I said, God, you can't leave me here like this. And I remember one of my pastors teaching me one time as he said he was so broken and so in despair over something that he said, God, give me the grace, please. And I said, God, if you've ever heard me, you've got to hear me now. I said, give me the grace, please, and lift this thing from me. And he took that thing from me. Not only did he do that, but he, I began to pray in the Spirit, and he spoke a scripture to me. Isaiah 57, 15, he said, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who is holy. He said, to revive those that are broken and contrite in spirit. I dwell in the high and holy place with them who are of a broken and a contrite spirit to revive them. That's exactly how it's quoted. Isaiah 57, 15. And the Lord said, I am reviving you and I'm showing you my grace that everything you go through that you don't want to let go of, that Isaac that you don't want to lay down, you got to lay him down. And he said, this morning, I didn't even tell anybody this. He said, this morning, he said, you watch, I'm going to use you like I've never used you before. And I went up there and I knew that, I knew that. God said, when it's your time to, to, to lead or sing, watch me. I got up there and I began to sing. And the Spirit of God began to come upon your pastor. God said, I have not forsaken you. I have not thrown you to the side. You are not an old shoe. You are not obsolete. I will use you until I'm done with you and you take your last breath. And the Spirit of God came. Amen. Well, Pastor Jared was looking at me, and he's like, don't quit. Don't quit. Just keep going. Keep going. What you're doing is good. Just keep going. 
and, and I shared a little testimony like I shared with you what God did. All I can tell you is we preach this, but I'm telling you, the word of God came to me. And he said, I'm lifting this thing from you. When you go through it, I've already given you a piece. And you're okay. And I said, Lord, I'm okay. I'm okay. God gives us a word in our seasons when we need it the most. You say, I didn't really get a whole lot out of this message. Well, maybe it wasn't for you today. Slip it in your back pocket. Because there's going to come a point in time when you're going to need to know God will speak to me in that time. He's faithful. Would you bow your heads in prayer? <clears throat>